Welcome to episode 33 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, how are things with you? <laughs> you know, good, 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 good. Hanging in there, you know, anxious for school to start, anxious for, let's see, this is going to come out what day? Um, let me look. I always put it on the top of my notes. Uh, August 12th. So we're like Ooh. a few days from school starting. Yeah. Yes. And, uh. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how this whole thing's going to go, like most parents. Yes. You know, this is like the hot topic of conversation. The funny thing is that I have a subscription to Sun Sentinel, like the digital. Yes. And uh, which is their local paper here. And uh, I'm like now addicted to reading this thing every day. I love it yeah. to read this <laughs> paper every day. I know we get the, actually get the Sunday the paper, 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 paper. Oh, nice, nice. On Sundays. Yeah. Wednesdays and Sundays. My mom is a Sun Sentinel reader from back in the days, that woman with the paper. But um, my favorite now are the letters that people write to the editor, which, again, my mother has written probably a thousand letters to the Sun Sentinel. If they're always in there, it's fine. It's amazing. But uh, sh- there's always letters from uh, my favorite thing now are to people who are yelling at teachers. Yes. There was one woman who said she was a former Broward County teacher. And I when I'm I'm so embarrassed to be a part of this, the oh, teachers please. union. And um, when I was a teacher, they're spineless, basically. She said spineless. Yeah. And then she said that when she was a teacher, she had cancer and was going through chemotherapy and still was teaching. And I was like, yeah. that's not the but same it's not the, thing. Yeah, it's not that's the same not as, as a contagious virus. I mean, like, I appreciate your work ethic and like what yes. you're saying that you were doing, but that is not even fucking close to what the yeah. hell is going on. No, it went now. from teachers are lazy to teachers are yeah. heroes to teachers oh, are yeah. lazy. No, no, Tina, teachers will always yeah. be lazy. Like it, it's, it's a conversation that. And it's an American thing because in other countries, teachers are very, very well respected. Of course. It's really only in America well, that there's this attitude towards teachers and, and educators. But you can see about put your money where your mouth is. You know, teachers have been completely underpaid and disrespected in that way across the board since forever. Yes. You know what I mean? It's never. And so when you see that and also there was a, an article in the paper. Well, because of, people are like, you're off all summer. You don't do anything right. like what right. we shouldn't pay you over the summer. And te- teachers don't get paid over the summer. It's usually they can choose to have their paycheck extended. Right. To cover into the summer. Right. Which means you have less every week. Right. But it's it's a it's a thing that it also extends to like when they say, you know, essential workers are heroes and this kind of thing. When you go yeah. to ho- when you drive by hospitals, there's all these signs outside saying "Thank you to our heroes." Meanwhile, there's an uh, um, there was in the paper this week in the Sun Sentinel where it was doctors and nurses saying, "We need your help, community." Yes, stop going mask- outside. Yeah, stop going out. Yes. Put your masks on because we are exhausted. Like yeah. we can't do this anymore. We have they have their own families, their own children, their own lives. They they're watching people get sick. Like. And all they need is a little bit of help, but we're like, fuck you. Yeah, because we need to go to the bar. We need to drink. Yes. We need to party. I was um, doing a walking the dog and there was a, you know, a house in the neighborhood and it was like full on party. Like it was cars aligning the streets. A well, ton they're of supposed people. to be breaking that, breaking that. And I was like, uh, what is going on? Oh no, it was happening. I, maybe I've seen a, it a few times. Maybe it's your... You you might have a different police department, but I think Broward sheriffs, if they're in your city, if you're a Broward sheriff city, that that uh, sheriff Tony 
has been saying that they break up party. They, yeah. Somebody calls and reports that shit, which you know these Karens are all over that. Yes. And I'm happy to be Actually, Karen. I feel like Karen I, is the one having the party. Yeah. <laughs> Karen is the one throwing the party and going to get mad because yeah. you called the cops yeah. on her party. I So I live across she the street. She would call the cops if it was a person of color, like two people yes. walking down the street. That's true. Oh, you're right. So Karen's <laughs> the one taking advantage yes. of it. She's okay for her to do it. Yes. So I live across the street from a park in a huge field and there's people out there playing all the time. And it's usually just a small group of, let's say, like a family or a couple of friends. Um, there used to be like huge soccer matches there all days on Sunday, like the whole day. Um, and I haven't seen that anymore, you know? Yeah, that's. But I am waiting for it to happen because I know what will happen is oh. that people will call around here yes. and start calling oh, on God. them to break it up. I just, I just want people to, you know, do the right thing so that this can end, so yeah. that we can move on. Yeah. But it's going to be, I mean, some people are saying, I mean, this is, it's not going to be like gone in a few months like that we, you know, that mm-hmm. there might be waves of it. I can't even think about it. And now we're, you're sitting in my house and there's a tropical storm brewing around us. Yes. That's how Florida we are. Yes. Oh, there's tropical storm. Just come over. We're yes. going to record. It's, it's fine. It might be a hurricane yeah. when it hits Palm Beach. No, no, it's, it's fine. Just come yes. over. We'll be, fi- we'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, Floridians, like if it's not a cat three or above, we're like, yeah. eh, I'm not going to put the shutters up. I remember getting messages <laughs> from a cousin of mine once and it was years and years ago, but she was, the storm was literally, it was a storm literally like covering the entire state as it went over. I'm like, it's fine. We're just inside. It's like raining. Like it was yeah. like, it seemed like it was not a big deal. Yes. I'm only, I really get freaked out when it's like heading towards a cap four. Then I start getting nervous because I'm like, Mm -hmm. dang. And do you have hurricane windows on your house? Yes, except for there's one room that doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the room. But we do have like shutters for that room. Yeah. Um, but even with the hurricane windows, I'm, I don't like the idea that they're not covered. Mm. I don't know. Like, I feel like I, what if I could, I don't know. Well, I, the first one we went through, I think was Irma last year or two years ago, maybe Yeah, where we had the windows because we have the hurricane windows and it was the first, like I've lived here since I was two and it was the first time I was in a hurricane where the windows weren't covered Yes, and you could actually you see, watch the yes. storm and it was freaking me the fuck out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it makes me nervous. No, we were sitting in the <laughs> back room and the trees were literally like bending down like this and um, like towards our roof. And I was like, are we going to watch a tree come through the roof? Like this is, let's just close the blinds yes. because I cannot. That's what I had to do too. No thanks. That's the only thing I don't like. I mean, I like having the hurricane grade windows, but I don't like that. I can yeah. see, you know, some craziness flying I mean, by the window. It's so <laughs> nice to not have something to do. Yeah. You no, know, to not have to put shutters up oh and my not God. have to do that. That's a huge, it's a pain. Yes. Especially when at the last minute, the fucking thing turns. It's always the last minute. And you know, I have my parents down here. My husband has yes. his parents. So, you know, my husband will do like our back room Yes, and he's got to go do my parents' house. Then he got to go do his parents' house. So it's like, it's a my brother. My brother's the same way. God bless. God bless those boys. (laughs) All right. Ooh, I can't wait. All right. I'm first this week. And you know, I was, I saw this person's name. I started reading his story and I was like, man, I keep a list in, in our, in our drive, our Google drive with, uh, what we've done. What we've done. And I started going through your names and I'm like, but I know this name sounds so familiar. It feels like I story. had the same feeling this week. You did? Yes. That's so weird. Did you have to go to the list or you were I just went like, to the list. Yeah. That's, that's fucking weird. How yeah. are we on 33 and we're already thinking we've 33. <laughs> so when I was doing episode 33, my, um, my uh, grandmother who she's now passed, but, um, anytime and she, she didn't speak any English. Mm. 
And anytime it was like 33, she would go, oh, la no de Jesus. The year, because that was the oh, age Jesus. that Jesus died. <laughs> oh my God. It would be la no de Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. So that's what I thought of when it's I was like saying, bless that. you. I don't, it's like, <laughs> oh my God. And we used to always do it as kids because we thought it was funny. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> okay. Oh so, my gosh. Okay. I am going to do former Bridgeport, Connecticut mayor, Joe Gannam. Oh, no, I don't know this okay. person. And the reason why it was familiar is because you covered a shitty mayor in Connecticut. Oh. That um, Giordano. Oh, remember him? Yes, like yes, he was yes, really, really yes. bad. So apparently, Connecticut has a lot of very corrupt uh, <sighs> elected officials, especially mayors. Like, the, and and in this city, Bridgeport is the largest city in Connecticut, and it's like corruption after corruption after corruption. Like this, this city can't get out of it, and it sucks because These it New seems England like states. I know it's interesting. It just and it seems like this city really needs help. And they need like a strong, they need someone to come in and like help them with their finances. Like they're in dire straits and all they get is these pieces of shit. That take advantage. Every Ooh, fucking second. I can't wait to see what this guy does. Okay. So let's start with Joe. Joe Gannam was born October 21st, 1959 in Easton, Connecticut. Gannam's father, George, was a prominent Bridgetown or Bridgeport attorney and Republican Party loyalist, loyalist who was a lieutenant of local Republican boss Ed Sandula. But his son, on the other hand, became a Democrat. Oh. I'm sure those were fun Thanksgiving conversations. Gannam graduated from the University of Connecticut, go UConn, that's where my mom went, (laughs) and received a law degree from the University of Bridgeport Law School. In 1988, a young Gannam made his first run for office against Lee Samowitz in the 129th Connecticut House District. He lost, but only by 150 votes. Um, then he ran for mayor of Bridgeport and he was elected, uh, the 51st mayor in 1991, receiving 54% of the vote and defeating the incumbent mayor, Mary C. Moran. Okay. So during his campaign, Gannam accused Moran of making the quote, the city quote, a symbol of urban failure with a bankruptcy filing that drew national headlines. Dang. Gannam was then subsequently reelected four or five times, four or five terms. Okay. Four terms serving five terms. So at the first during his first term, uh, the the city when he took office was in dire financial straits. It caused and it caused to be the only caused it to be the only municipality in Connecticut to have um, its finances under the control of the state board. Okay, so this is what happens, right? When a state when a city right, starts so to the fail state's got to get involved and tell them what they need to do right. to get back up. You know, because cities have charters, yes, right, and can they lose their charters and then become like unincorporated or something like that must I'm sure, happen. Yeah. There's probably, I'm sure that there's probably some, like if this happens, if this happens, yeah. if this happens right. that you risk the right. charter, but I would imagine it would have to be pretty severe. Yeah. 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 For and an established city. Me, it reminds me of uh, parks and rec Pawnee when Rob Lowe's character comes I don't to town. Know, I don't know parks and rec. What? I know that's the one show that I know everyone tells me I have to watch. Leslie. Nope. You're not on board. Nope. 2020 girl. You better start watching I that bet, show. Come back I know. to me. <laughs> I better get, I get, I'll so, get on it. I'll get on it. It's so good. It's literally <laughs> the best show. Okay. Um, the state board had ordered the city to raise its property taxes by 18% to close a $16 million budget shortfall for the 1991-92 fiscal year. That's a huge That's a shortfall. lot. That's not some change, baby. $16 million. Ganem also campaigned on a law and order platform promising yeah. to hire 100 new city police officers to combat crime. Now, how the uh, fuck are you going to do that? How are you going to do 100? 
you know the salaries of police officers <laughs> how are you going to pay for that one reason why Gannon was elected was because there were few politicians who wanted the grief of being mayor of Bridgeport for the paltry salary of $52,000 a year so he didn't have a lot of opposition even running for mayor but as mayor he began to clean up the city's east end reducing the, the area's notorious crime rates and reclaiming real estate from drug gangs under Gannon the city installed streetlights and street signs and planted trees and flowers but in 1994, three years after becoming mayor, Ganem ran for the Democratic nomination for governor of Connecticut. Okay. But he withdrew from the race in July of 1994, less than a week before the De- Connecticut Democratic Convention after he was lagging in the polls. All right, so, so he knew when to get out. Yeah. So again, of course, he was elected a second, third, fourth, and fifth terms. Um, in 1997, he defeated Republican challenger Joan K. Magnuson by a huge margin. In that election, Ganem's appearances on taxpayer-funded commercials boosting his city's image were criticized by his opponents who believe the commercials were tools for his re-election. Uh, okay, so we're already like, if you know what that, that you know, he's using... Yeah, that's for the city, which the city probably pays for. Right, that's not... To put his face out there. Yeah, no, like, no, Look no, at no, how no. great the city is and his face is in it. Yes. Okay. During an election. It's a, it's a gentle reminder to yes. the constituents. Like uh, Blagojevich. <laughs> yes. His fa- face on, the on the street signs. On the street signs. That yeah. to me is so, yeah. that's bad. That's a lot of wasted money. Yeah. So under Ganem, the city of Bridgeport joined a number of U.S. So this is something he's kind of known for. Uh, joined a number of U.S. cities, uh, including New Orleans, Miami, and Chicago, to file legal actions against the handgun industry, arguing that they were liable for product liability ne- uh, negligence in failing to use technology to make their products safer, leading to handgun violence. Okay. Um, such suits were inspired by successful lit- litigation against the tobacco industry. The city of Bridgeport suit was filed in Connecticut Superior Court in January 1999. It named Smith and Wesson and 11 other uh, U.S. firearms manufacturers, three gun, handgun trade associations, and a dozen gun dealers in southwestern Connecticut as wow. defendants. Yeah, um, Ganem said that the city's action aimed at quote creating law with litigation. That's the route we're going because the. Industry has always been very effective with big money lobbying the legislature and kept laws from being passed, end quote. Right? Okay. So instead of going to the legislature and hoping you that know, they'll you do know something, that, we'll just yes, go to court. The and NRA's then it gets got on all that money in there. We've got one, this Marion Hammer, yeah. who's in Florida, who's in the Florida legislature. Please look up her name. Oh, she's got to be one of my stories. I mean, I know she's not elected. But she's like the arm of the NRA in Florida, oh. like the single Listen, person. It's, it's, this is politics, so it's any, yeah. any avenue I'm going to add politics. her to my list. Add her, because okay. I want to know. She's got a lot going on. And, and like our friend Dan Christensen with the um, Broward Bulldog or Florida, Florida Bulldog. Bulldog, yeah. Uh, he's got all kinds of stories of her on that website. I mean, she's embroiled in all kinds of mess right now. So I think Ugh. she'd be fantastic to be on here. Especially yes. When it comes to all this money. So the city sought $100 million in damages for the cost of human life lost and the public cost of treating shooting victims. Ganem said that the city would agree to a settlement, quote, if the companies will agree to improve their design of their handguns to prevent their misuse, end quote. The suit was unsuccessful. The court dismissed it for lack of, of standing in December 1999, and the dismissal was uni- unanimously upheld by the state Supreme Court in 2001. So it didn't work out, but, you know... They right. were trying to do something, right? Um, in in Connecticut was where the that horrible shooting was a few years yes. later at yes. the um, the movie theater. No, not that that was in Colorado. Um, the elementary school. Oh, oh, Newtown. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sandy oh, Hook. Sandy Hook. Fuck yes. me. Uh, 
1999, Ganim was one, one of three American mayors to receive the Civil City Liv- Livability Program Award from the United States Conference of Mayors. The award was conferred for Ganim's, quote, Clean and Green Program, which addressed urban decay and blight through a, through a beautification campaign which saw the demolition of more than five buildings and the development of 12 new city parks. Okay. A cornerstone of the city's redevelopment of efforts was the construction of a new baseball park called the Ballpark at Harbor Yard for a minor league baseball team, the building of a new arena, and the development of ind- industrial land on the city's waterfront. Okay. Ganem's term also saw the competition of demolition of Father Panic Village, a housing project notorious for drugs and violent crime. The final 15 buildings were raised in 1993. Okay, so he's doing all of these things. Like, I, I don't know. I have this thing. Like, I love watching the show The Wire. And, oh, God. Uh, do you love that show? That's old. It's old, but it's yes. like still, I've watched, I probably watched, I'm in the middle of watching season four right now. Like, I'm, which is not my favorite season, to be honest with you. I'm kind of like, ugh. First of all, there's not enough jim mcnulty and number two it's all about the schools and it makes me sad like it just makes me fucking sad but anyway okay uh you can't just demolish buildings and think that the drug trade's going away you know what i mean like you can't just like demolish a neighborhood and there's lots of people who live there who aren't involved in drugs like now where are they going like it just oh my god so so a lot of things that he was doing in when i read about it i'm just like well was he really doing anything or just to demolish buildings and put a park there yeah there's people used to live there yeah you know what i mean yes okay so in 2000, federal prosecutors acknowledged that uh, Joe Gannon was a main target in their three-year investigation into official Ooh, corruption. Three years? Yes. That's some corruption if it's that long. Mm-hmm. At the trial, the most damaging testimony came from Paul J. Pinto and Mr. Gannum, who is Mr. Gannum's former fundraiser and self-described conduit of bribes, and Leonard J. Grimaldi, forty-four, the may—he's forty-four, the mayor's former campaign manager. Uh oh. The two men testified that between 1995 and 2000, Mr. Gannum used them to solicit, collect, and collect kickbacks from companies interested in doing business in Bridgeport. Uh. The bribes, uh. The bribes Mr. Pinto and Grimaldi told jurors about were then divided equally among the three of them. On March 19th, 2003, Gannon was convicted of 16 federal counts, one each for racketeering. Uh, I'm sorry, one count each of racketeering, extortion, racket, um, conspiracy, and bribery, two counts of bribery, conspiracy, and eight counts of mail fraud, and two counts of filing a false tax return. Dang. So were were these kickbacks coming from, hey, we're going to do this construction. If you want to get this construction bid. By the way, that's why I also think he was doing that. Right. Like, I think he was, yeah. Because he he saw the money. Yeah. So in it, it said that, quote, his role was in a six-year scheme to shake down city contractors for more than $500,000 in cash. Dang. Meals, clothing, wine, and home renovations. Uh, Which is one of my favorite things these guys do. Yeah. get these contractors to add a fucking room onto the house or yes something. or just redo the whole house please yeah. can some can, yes can we make this happen can I, bribe? I need some i need some where i need some some windows in that back room <laughs> we need hurricane who windows can, who can come? Stat. <laughs> um so he was acquitted on six other counts but the, those are the ones that stuck he surrendered his law license upon conviction in april 2003 two weeks after being convicted ganem then resigned from office oh um, so he had to wait still, yeah, he had to still, wait <laughs> God, these guys. (laughs) They were asking him to leave, girl. You know, they like to hang on. Oh, my Um, God. So he faced a possible sentence of up to 126 years, $500,000 in restitution, and $4 million in fines. What? Yes. 
Federal prosecutors asked for a sentence of 10 years and one month, while the defense asked for a sentence of no more than three years and 10 months. Testimonials seeking leniency were filed with the court on Ganim's behalf, including one from Cardinal Edward M. Egan of New York. So Does they, that name sound familiar? When I read that, I was like, oh, I know this motherfucker. Well, it's a cardinal, so I'm, I'm curious. He was one of these cardinals that would cover up With all the abuse. priest stuff. Yes. So I looked him up. God, and I he, love how they bring in their priest or someone yeah. like this. And a cardinal's high up. Yeah. And guess what? He was involved in covering up. He, so they, um, you know, go look him up. But he, he, was, he was all over the place. But he uh, covered up sexual abuse by priests in Bridgeport, Connecticut, Ugh. with three other bishops for over 40 years. Oh, my God. And this is somebody who's, who's giving up. This is your character yeah. witness. Okay, that's nice. Huh. So, that says a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on July 1st, 2003, U.S. District Judge Janet Arterton sentenced Ganim to nine years in prison and about $300,000 in fines and restitution, and in addition to $175,000 that he had previously stipulated that he owed. So nowhere near what he really could have gotten. Right. You know? Right. But um, now he's got to come up with the cash that I'm sure true. he's already yeah. spent or yeah. sell one of those houses that he had renovated for sure. <laughs> yeah for a nice penny yeah so uh the judge said that ganim's crimes were quote stuff that cynicism cynicism is made of and determined and determined by clear and convincing evidence that ganim had quote lied to the jury when he denied any knowledge of free splitting fee splitting deals and other in incriminating evidence by ganim appealed uh appealed and the u.s court united states court of appeals for the second circuit upheld ganim's convictions in december of 2007 so he surrendered in september 2003 and served most of his sentence at fort dix in new jersey he unsuccessfully petitioned for a transfer to otisville uh in new york in order to be closer to his family in 2009 he was transferred to mckinnon or mckean prison camp in pennsylvania so it's going down you know he's serving yes but these are, are less minimum less, security right, prisons yes. anyway yeah okay um ganham then served the seven last seven months of his sentence at a halfway house in hartford connecticut um and it was reduced by a year for participating participating in a drug treatment program Again, I didn't see any evidence that he was admitting to being on drugs when he was right. trying to bribe people, but whatever. Well, they always turn to some yeah. reason my daddy, to excuse. My daddy made me do it. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So in July 2010, Gannon was released after serving seven years in prison. After his release, Gannon re- worked as a legal assistant at his family's law firm in Bridgeport. God, mm. must be nice to Good have job. somewhere to go. Yeah. Usually, you, convicted felons can't get a job. Yes, but of course, yeah, this well. is what we're talking about, people. Um, Ganim and his brother George Ganim Jr. also opened a consulting service. Wait for no. it, Federal Prison Consultant LLC, which offered other white collar convicts advice on surviving federal prison terms. No, so God, he really just is like, how can I make this into a lucrative? Yeah. And you by know, the way, you're going to uh, help them do what? How? Yeah. What are you going to do? Here's my experience. I'm going to help you get into a job. Yeah. Meanwhile, his parents yeah. hired him. But how to survive federal prison terms? How to survive? Oh, What's the advice? What, what are you talking about? He's going to teach him how to be a mover and shaker and then and making <laughs> I mean, deals. He make friends, crazy. make friends with the guards. I mean, <laughs> this is how you smuggle stuff in. Yeah. Here's how you can make a little on the side. 
Man. <laughs> um, Ganim also sought restoration of his license to practice law. In 2012, a five-member panel of the State of Connecticut Grievance Committee recommended that Ganim's license be restored. Oh, come on. However, in September 2012, a three-judge panel of Connecticut Superior Court judges rejected the recommendation, writing that, quote, allowing on an applicant to be readmitted to the practice of law following a conviction of 16 counts of racketeering, <laughs> conspiracy, extortion, mail fraud, bi- bribery, and filing false income tax returns without any apology, expression of remorse, or explanation, and with only a vague acceptance of an unspecified event simply would set the bar for readmission too low in the state. Thank and you. we are unwilling to do that, end quote. Good. Like, Damn, bitch. Dang. <laughs> That's so good. Um, Ganim, who are these other people that were like, well, okay, probably, sure. Yeah, probably friends. Right, people right? that Which knew Which is why him. it has to stop. You have Ugh. to stop this. Ganim appealed to the Connecticut Supreme Court in 2014, which, un- which unanimously ruled against his effort to have his law license restored. Get the fuck out. Yes. Um, you have a consulting firm. You're doing fine. Yeah, you got fine. your daddy's money. Please. In 2017, Ganim applied to the U.S. District Court for the District of Connecticut for permission to practice in that federal court without being readmitted to the Connecticut bar. These efforts were rebuffed by the court. The answer is no. No, go away. Like, you messed up. Yes. You made your bed. Go cry in it. We're not done. You've got to hold on to your hat about what is about to happen. what? You are going to... What I else can he die. do? It's like, it's it's ready. You ready? Is he taking this to we are going. Court? We are now going back up the roller coaster hill oh my God. I'm to so get to excited. the top and we'll get another ride. On January 1st, 2015, Ganim offered a public apology to the city of Bridgeport for his corruption scandal saying, I'm truly sorry. Oh God. The apology as well as visits to churches in the city's mainly oh. African-American East side, a former stronghold for Ganim during his days as mayor, fueled speculation about a return to politics for oh, Ganim. No, no. Ready? I just got goosebumps. In March 2015, Ganim moved back to Bridgeport from Easton, where he had been living. In May 2015, Ganim officially entered the race for mayor, oh, filing paperwork no. to challenge incumbent Democrat Bill Finch as mayor of Bridgeport. No, he didn't win. Tina, please go. This is the Muck Podcast. <laughs> oh, what do you think is going to come around the corner? Please don't tell me he won. You already see it, right? He's elected. Ganim won the endorsement of the Bridgeport Police Union. What? Ganim the police also, you need to, he's racket. Yeah, he's a They're, criminal. He's a criminal. Yeah. Oh, he's got it. racketeering charges. <laughs> police unions are the best. Ganim also won the key support of local clergy and the Democratic machine led by, which is my always my favorite, yeah. led by Democrat Town Committee Chairman Mario, uh, Mario Testa. In September 2015, 12 years after his conviction, Ganim won the Democratic primary, God. making, quote, a big step toward completing an improbable political comeback. I can't even. You know, when I read, believe when this. I read about, you know, they used to call Bill Clinton the comeback kid. Yes. But they called him that after he won the New Hampshire. Pri- well, I'm sorry. After the New Hampshire primary. Yes. Which he came in second place. <laughs> Could you imagine being so steeped in the patriarchy of white, like white yeah. patriarchy? That you get second place and you're called the comeback kid. Yeah. That's incredible to me. He didn't even win that primary. Yeah. And here's this guy. What an incredible comeback. Like an improbable. Yeah, it is improbable. This is insane. He's a crook. Yeah. People just don't, they don't care. No. They do not care. In the days after the primary election, Finch sought to run in the general election under the quote job creation party. Um, While Foster, this is somebody, he ran against somebody named... 
Foster. I should give you names. I'm sorry. Ganim defeated two primary opponents, Finch, the incumbent mayor, and the University of Bridgeport Vice President Mary Jane Foster. She's also the co-founder of the Bridgeport Bluefish minor league baseball team. He wanted to be on the job creation party ballot line while Foster announced that she would not seek to re- to appear on the general election ballot as a petitioning candidate. You know, like right. if you lose that, you can maybe just get on a right as a write in if you don't win in your party's primary. Um, however, Finch's campaign missed the filing deadline and he dropped out of the race, which is the guy who was the um, who was the incumbent. Foster How jumped. How do you miss the deadline? I don't know. This is. Paperwork for me with with elected is very it's very funny for me. I'm sorry. Turn it in early. Get your shit together yes. and pull it together. You shouldn't be doing false treasury reports or filing shit late. Like it says a lot about who you are and what yes. you're doing. And why would you want to be in office when you can't even get that right? Yes. So Foster did though jump back into the race, receiving Finch's endorsement. So the woman who owned the baseball team, she, she uh, or founded it, she jumped back into the race as like. A different kind of party, right? Okay. During his campaign, Gannon promised to reduce taxes, lower crime by adding more police officers. Lower <laughs> crime? By adding police officers. Could you imagine how backwards that is? Lower, uh, and to lower unemployment, which is high in Bridgeport. He managed to persuade Edward Adams, a former FBI agent who helped convict Gannon on corruption charges, to support his campaign. No. Honey. No. And the FBI. The FBI who spent three years... Building yes. a case. Yes. Is now like, oh, yeah, I'll get on board. Well, this one guy. So so listen to this. However, Michael Wolf, the FBI special agent in charge of Connecticut during the Ganim investigation, fired back with a letter publishing in the Connecticut Post saying that Adams was not the lead investigator in the Ganim case and writing that, quote, a mayor who swindled a city he was entrusted to govern should not be given the opportunity to do it again. And Come quote. on. Wolf called Ganim the poster boy of corrupt Connecticut politicians, a group that included former Governor J.G. John G. Rowland, a former state treasurer Paul J. Sylvester, and former Bridgeport State Attorney Senator Ernest Newton II. This is what I'm talking about with Connecticut. We I mean, just add all those guys yes. to the list. Let's see what the fuck happened. But on November 3rd, 2015, Ganim won election by, oh by as mayor by a wide margin. By a wide margin. <laughs> that FBI lead must be like, what? is happening well, what it, is and I wrong hate to with reference you my favorite show the wire again but they work on this case the whole first season of the show they lock up um oh, avon barksdale at the end of it by the at the middle of the second season they spot him driving around he's gotten out he like manipulated his way out of jail and they're uh, like what, what the fuck yes. did we just do all this work yeah. for this exactly. say, yeah that's all of this work all of this yeah. time all of this money that guy is a crook yeah and clearly this is the second time now with the that we're gonna get more police involved so yeah. that's why the police like him yes he promised to hire yeah. police, which I don't know where Both. they're getting money for that. Like, that's the part that I don't understand. He'll, find, you... he'll find ways to get the yeah, money, clearly. He's, <laughs> he's good at that. Okay, so in 2000, so he's elected again in 2015. In 2017, he filed paperwork creating an exploratory committee to run for governor of Connecticut. No. In 2018. Gannon requested public campaign fi- financing, which in Connecticut is available to qualified candidates. I highlighted that and went and looked it up. It's kind of cool. It's a program that... Um, provides money to candidates running for state offices from the legislature all the way up to governor. You have to re- hit these posts first, but it's money that they, um, if if the state takes property and sells it, like a percentage of that money goes into this fund. If it, oh. it's all, it's like grants right. if you're running for office. So to help how your could this convicted felon, yeah, who <laughs> swindled 
people in yeah. that state qualify yeah. for th- for this program. Okay, so he does it, right? Like in April 2017, however, the Connecticut Elections Enforcement Commission denied his request okay, like, due to a state law denying public funding to candidates convicted of felonies related to public office. I mean, <laughs> thank God they had something on the books yeah, for that. That's you. You someone like you sat there and goes, "All right, let's find let's list out all the criteria yes. to get this." Wait a minute. <laughs> Been convicted yes. of something, they can't get this money. We don't want to to boost candidates that are criminals yes especially yeah. a guy who who was an elected official and, and i love this idea that there's this grant money for people yes. running for office that's amazing yeah because that's a lot of people look at how much have they raised as a reason if this person right a, a, like or, a, or 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 their ability candidate. or their ability yes. to raise that might hinder yes. someone from wanting to even enter a race yes it's expensive yes okay i really like that florida unfortunately until things change would never have a program no. like that no 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 I also think it encourages good people to run for office and not people who are rich. Right. Right. Um, Ganem challenged the denial in federal court on constitutional grounds. This motherfucker. Oh God, this guy and yeah. going to court. He's like, entitled to wait. Ev- see everyone's time. He's entitled to everything. Do you understand? He's entitled to everything. He on federal uh, in federal court on constitutional grounds, but the U.S. District Court dismissed his suit in 2017. Fuck you. In his campaign against Ned Lamont for the nomination. Ganem unsuccessfully ran a feisty in-your-face campaign, which he tried to frame as a city versus suburban class struggle. In the two that, because he's got a lot of support from the black community, right? In the August 2016, uh, I'm sorry, August 16th, 2018 primary election, Ganem was defeated by a large margin by Lamont. Thank God, so oh he's out of the governor race. Just, I mean, you're already mayor. You already did this thing mm-hmm. that you shouldn't even be doing. That you should be, you should have so much shame. No. That you shouldn't have even run for it. You have it. Like, that's not enough? No. God, this guy. So, you're, we are not even done. Are you kidding me? Honey, I'm telling you, this guy is the fucking best. What? So, Gannon, what else can so he for do? His seventh, for his seventh term, oh my Gannon God. was running against State Senator Marilyn Moore in the 2019 mayoral race. State Senator Marilyn Moore defeated Mr. Gannon at the polls by four percentage points or roughly 350 votes. But Mr. Ganim trounced Miss Moore in absentee absentee balloting by more than 600 votes. The final mm. count gave the mayor 5,304 votes to Mrs. Moore, Miss Moore's 5,034. Uh-oh. Okay. So it's going to be a recount. So an investigation by Hearst Connecticut Media then detailed how which is uh, then detailed how some residents at the P.T. Barnum Public Housing Complex and Harborview Towers, Uh-oh. a low-income apartment building, said ballot takers pushed them to vote for Mr. Gannon. <gasps> some claim that the absentee ballot providers filled out forms for them <gasps> or gave them absentee ballots when they did not qualify for them, no. both of which are illegal under state law. The State Elections Enforcement Commission, who's probably so tired of this fucking guy by now, issued subpoenas for elections records related to absentee ballots as well as surveillance videos and visitor logs from the P.T. Barnum and Harvey View Towers. So I don't know what's happened with this. This is like... This is still this is like... Still, in- yeah. So the woman who he was running against is like, this is bullshit. Yes, this is he's yeah. done something. And this is where we end up with problems. Yes. With vo- voting by I mail know. and this and that. Because and when I read people this, like this. This was in a New York Times article, I believe, uh, in the notes. You can find it. But when I read the whole article... There's a woman that they're interviewing who's also listed in this lawsuit because they're suing this woman suing them like this is bullshit. And this woman who would get absentee ballots, bring it to these towers. There's a lot of poor people there who don't have transportation to the polls or um, are are handicapped and can't get to the polls. Who there are poll 
they're absentee. They work. I, I, I feel like they're working for campaigns. Right. But they bring their ballots and they go there and they say, did you get your ballot? Let me right. I can take it for you or whatever. But you're not supposed to say, oh, I like this person. No. Like, it's not like if somebody calls you and says, Tina, I know you're involved in all this stuff. Who do you like for state attorney? Right. Or who do you like for public defender? You're not working for their campaign. And you're not Correct. actively going out and saying this and this. These no. people and are people poll do, workers. People do call of and course. say, and I'm like, yes. oh, yeah, but yes. yeah, but I'm not a poll worker. And you can give them information. Yes. Hey, this guy, we know this about, this woman yes. is this. But you're not going to their house collecting their ballot on behalf no, of the and I'm elections. Not, and I'm not bubbling things in. Yeah. So that's kind of what's been happening. I can't really tell. So his election might need to, there's something oh. wrong with this election, but something else might take care of this first. Oh God. Because on February 2nd, 2019, the FBI served a subpoena to Ganem's administration, which was obtained by the no. Connecticut Post. Oh, that the FBI guy's like, I'm coming back for you. Yeah. I'm coming oh, for I you. Got I got the goosebumps again. The subpoena revealed a federal grand jury in New Haven, Connecticut, was investigating his, administ- investigating his administration for possible municipal corruption. Again? <laughs> well, he already told you who he oh was. Oh, my God. He told what you. What is he doing? Rocketeering again? So, well, they can't. Well, we really aren't sure too much yet, but because it's still, you know, again, yeah. The investigation the last time took three years. Like, who yes. knows how long this is going to oh, take? Oh my god! Um, but he's still currently the mayor of Bridgeport. Um, on oh, June he won't tw- he won't leave that seat. They'll have to drag <laughs> him out like yeah. they did last time, and then he'll run again. <laughs> on June twenty eighth, twenty twenty, the Connecticut Post further noted that Ganem's administration spent more than five hundred thousand dollars handling the crim- criminal probe into Bridgeport. Oh my god! Which included hiring private lawyers for m- multiple government officials, including Ganem. This you know, poor like, city this that's is, got no money. Yeah, come on. I know. The full scope of the investigation has not been made public. City officials, federal prosecutors, and the FBI have declined to comment about the months-long probe. Federal subpoenas issued last year, however, sought records of public facilities, contracts, and the sale of scrap metal. Investigators have also been looking into the city's 2018 search for a permanent police chief that ended with the hiring of Ganem friend Armando Perez, a 37-year veteran of the police department. Well, now we know why he's got the police support. Yep. So that's Joe Gannum. He is now wow. seriously, he's still sitting in the seat. It's, it's incredible. And you would think that he would resign. No. Or that this people would call for a special election. Is there no way to call for a special election to get him out? I don't know. You know? God. Yeah. And when I, when I would read about him, they talked about how his, one of the things I thought was funny is that it, um, they compared his second run to like a buddy Cianci, Cianci, oh, you know, like they talked about Cianci. that. Yeah. They talked My about guy. that. But, um, yeah, it's insane. It's, 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 it's a level of ego that is just, well, even when you start looking up these guys and I'm reading and I'm reading and, I'm, and I go, what again? Yeah. Like there's another FB. What the, fuck? Oh God, I would love to talk to that FBI guy and just say, please. Yes. He'll probably say, I'm in the middle of a case right now and I can't <laughs> disclose anything. But when that's over, I just, oh I, I would love, he, cause he's probably there. Like there's gotta be something. There's gotta be something. Yeah. You know, they're not going to just let him. But also like it, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, when you talk about a city like that, um, Baltimore is kind of like that. I know I'm hooked on the wire right now. And so I keep talking about it. I'm in the middle of it, but like Baltimore is built the way that it is. Like you can't. Uh, I don't know if you can survive. Baltimore's very corrupt too with mayors. Oh, and all yes. that, but like, how do you survive 
giving contracts without having to pat somebody on the back so they can give you a campaign donation yeah. so they can do this so you I can mean, it's like so... it's it's so I don't understand like this guy he got into the city when it was shitty like the whole budget was fucked up and, and he's putting them more in debt yeah but you can do all, you can demolish the buildings build the parks and all this stuff without go, putting your hand out for some of some for yeah. some of that money like he wants, you can do that he wants to wet his beak a little bit yeah but That's obviously a... it's like how the how things were run there Ugh. All, all right. right are you ready I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Today, I'm going to tell you the story mm. of Ralph Shorty. What? Of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. What's that first name? Ralph Shorty. Ralph. Okay. Ralph. Is that his real gonna last name? going to make you want a Ralph. Um, <laughs> yeah, Shorty is his last name. All right. So, Ralph Shorty served as a U.S. Senator out of Oklahoma's 44th District beginning in 2010. But when police discover the senator in a hotel room with a minor... Oh, fuck me, Tina. Shorty's political career is cut short. <laughs> oh, God damn it with these I know, fucking guys. I know, I know. I, I was thinking that when I did this, but I, I came across this guy <laughs> because I was reading about someone else I wanted to do. And then this, this, there's a little tidbit about him that came up. And I was like, what in the world? And so then I looked him up. And then I was like, oh, my God. And so then it went from there. Yeah. So our story takes place in Oklahoma City. And I don't know. When I think of Oklahoma, I think of, you know, the musical. Oklahoma. No. Yeah. I don't know. Where I, the weeds come sweeping down the what plain. Was There's another song from Oklahoma, right? It's the other one that's famous. I don't, oh, know. I don't know. I don't know. That's the only one I remember. It's like the Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I think, of course, of like Oklahoma City bombing to McVeigh. Oh, like, my God. That's all. That's all I've got for Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah no, like, I'm... Wheat fields, you know? <laughs> I could probably point it out on a map. Yes, because it's the one that has like that, the... that little leg on it, like yeah. the arm or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Before I go into details about the crime, I want to dive into his background. So like Kyle Tasker, mm. who I covered last week on episode 32, Ralph, uh, Ralph Shorty was another young Republican who got elected in 2010 during that Tea Party wave. Yeah. And when he first ran, he ran on a family values platform. And in recent years, we know what this means, right? It's like a GOP talking point. It's this cudgel during election season of... Unlike the Dems who have no morals right. with abortion and, right. the, and who celebrate single parenting and homosexuality, like we are all about the traditional family institution. Like, give me a break. Party. Sounds like a party. I know. Boring. <laughs> so um, <laughs> according to Tulsa World, Shorty was the traditional family man. He married his high school sweetheart. He had three daughters. And they also report that he was pretty religious and he was very involved in his community. And in addition to his work as senator, in 2016, Shorty was also serving as Trump's campaign manager in Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. So throughout his career, he puts forth some really interesting bills. And so that's what I want to talk about before we get into his crime, because it was one of these bills that I saw that I was like, what in the world? Oh, no. So I want to highlight some of those so we have this idea of, like, who who are we dealing with okay. here with, with Ralph Shorty? Mm -hmm. So. The first bill that came up was in 2012, he introduced a bill that would ban aborted fetuses from being used in food. Uh, <laughs> what's my face look like right now? You're just like looking at me like, what the hell are you talking about? 
So yeah. he believes he wrote, like this conspiracy stuff that's like yes. deep dark web mm-hmm. where they talk about abortion in a way that's so vile. That's like not even not real. real. Not real. So and he he drafted a bill. It was Senate Bill 1418. Like, I have I feel a like this is mentally ill though, yeah. right? I don't know. Like he believes this. Then he's got to he's got a screw loose. He's, he's got a screw off. loose for real. So it was Senate Bill 1418 and I have a link to the actual bill in our notes. And um, in the bill, it noted, quote, no person or entity shall manufacture or knowingly sell food or any other product intended for human consumption, which contains aborted human fetuses in the ingredients or which used aborted human fetuses in the research or development of any of the ingredients. So. Wait, who the fuck is doing that, though? I know, I where know. Where does he... Like, if you were to look that up right now, people because using it, like, what, what so, internet searches so are... So where this is coming from, where this is coming from is companies that use, like, embryonic stem cell. Wait, but that's not but food. It's, and it's, one, one, it's not food, and two, it's not fetuses. You know and what I mean? scientific research. So he clarified... lives. Right. So he clarified the following, and this is from the Huffington Post, as um, reported from News Oklahoma. People are thinking, and this is from him, quote, people are thinking that this has to do with fetuses being chopped up and put in our burritos. <gasps> That's not the case. It's beyond that. There are companies that are using embryonic stem cells to research and basically cause a chemical reaction to determine whether or not something tastes good or not. So the thing is, he's totally twisting this. Um, this wasn't happening. Uh, companies came out, like there was a big thing with Pepsi and Pepsi had to come out saying, we are not doing this. It's not ethical to do it's this. Cons- like It's, it's those it's weird conspiracies. Apparently there's some conspiracy that if you buy cabinets from Wayfair, that internet site, you know, yes. you can buy like fucking yes. fresh. By the way, where I bought that trampoline. Yeah, no, we just bought uh, something from Wayfair the other day. That it, you, you buy a certain kitchen cabinet. When it gets delivered, there's a child slave inside. Oh, come on. Tina, this is a real fucking conspiracy. Oh, my Lord. And, and I think it's con- it's made to, like, bomb this this company and put it out of yeah, business. This but is like, like same a, thing, that like, QAnon stuff. Now a reg- yeah. Yes. Now, a regular company's got Pepsi has to come yes. out and be like, um. <laughs> but the thing is, with the QAnon stuff, there are people who are now running for office that are QAnon people. Yeah. Well, can you imagine? If they freaking win, yes, I can. Give imagine. me a break. I, All right, I make Ugh. I do this podcast with you. I can. Everything <laughs> is up in the air now. So the thing is, like I said, like th- th- there's not tr- like he he's contorting everything, and his bill spoke directly about food. The language in the bill is about food, right? No one co-sponsored his bill and it ended up being dead away. But like no, because who who what other people are like? Yeah, sure, let's get this bill going. But that's that shows you right there, like. And I don't know if if somebody's making bills like that. I don't know if they're there to actually do work. They're there to draw attention to themselves. Um, It's a dog whistle to a certain base. It's not really there to be effective and to be leaders. It's just to sit there and disrupt and be a fucking dick. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. So another bill that he put forward, which I thought was a little odd, was uh, it was a bill that would allow people to shoot down drones and not be liable for the damage (laughs) to the drone. So I'm okay with that. So, but the thing is that the the people that had problems with this bill were like, so a random person outside sees a drone, I'm going to shoot it. And now you're shooting a gun into the air. There's bystanders. Like you can't just say, yeah, shoot up at the sky whenever you see a drone and knock it down. Let me say something to you. (laughs) If I had a gun. You would shoot down a drone? Yes, I would. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> and I remember a few years ago, they fly these things out. Like I said, if a park across the street, yes. there's always, I hear, yes. like, right? And I'm like, oh, these fucking things. But it's, it's some idiot who's got his drone. Some guy on next door a few years ago lost a company drone. He'd fly yes. it around the neighborhood. And his post was literally, literally like, I lost this drone. Please, everybody, if you could look in your backyards, I'm going to get fired if I don't return this drone. And I was like, holy shit. Oh like, my God. Because they're expensive, like the real yeah. good ones. Yeah. but And I, the ones with the cameras and yes. all that. So I guess what was happening there and was... I would, I'm sorry, but I would yeah. reference Parks and Rec when Ron Swanson shoots down a drone and brings it to Leslie's house and says, this thing was at my house looking for my son. But you don't wouldn't get that reference, so let's move on. <laughs> so I guess the rationale for him was that there was this pigeon shooting event. And this is Oklahoma, so apparently okay. it was a fundraiser for a Republican running for office, like you could, like shooting pigeons. But is it a clay pigeon? Probably, but yeah. like... Still, it's just yeah. funny. Like, this is your fundraiser. Yeah, that's true. Um, and someone there shot down a drone. And no, no, no. I think it was real because there was an organization against animal cruelty. Oh, my was God. Was flying overhead with this drone. And oh. then they shot down the drone. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just nuts. It's that's just nuts. funny. So, anyway, it, it just I just thought it was funny. And then um, another one is he was in support of an Oklahoma bill that would permit open carry. Meaning a person could walk around with a gun out without a concealed weapons permit, right? And this is, when I hear his reason? Yeah. So he supports this. <laughs> and this is from a Field and Stream article actually wrote about this. Um, he supports it because he said, quote, basically he said, in case you get attacked by a wild turkey, you got to have your gun and you got to have it out and available. And he said, quote, I was out on a lease one time and oh. I got attacked by a turkey. Wait until you get attacked by a turkey. You'll know the fear that a turkey can invoke in a person. And so I beat it with a club. That was all I could do. I wish that I had a gun with me. And I started carrying a gun in my truck after that without a license because I didn't want to get attacked by a mountain lion. Turkeys are bad enough. So, hey, that's why we all need an open carry but license. The, the greatest thing about him is things happen around him. And he goes, <laughs> I'm writing a bill about it. Yeah. Right? Like if yes. I trip over a sidewalk that's like an inch too high, yes. and I'm like, oh, I got to write a bill. Cause, yeah, we got to protect, yeah. protect the people. Someone shot a drone down. He's like, this should be a bill. Yes. So, I mean, he, he's supporting this bill that anyone can walk around with just a gun out in the open, which to me is like well, my personal thing. Is, it's I the think part it's where he can't nuts. see past that it's beyond turkeys. Yeah. Listen, like maybe you, wild you, turkeys. Yeah. Like you were involved in this because of a turkey. But what happens if so stupid? So stupid, but like, what a wild turkey coming at you? Beat it with a club. Probably had a nest nearby, or like its babies, or something. Like this guy's walking around in open land. What do you? Yes, you don't. Well, how are you even near a wild turkey? Yeah. Well, he he said he was walking on a lease, which is probably a huge part of land. But like, he you can't. But he's got to look beyond. Like, well, what happens if this applies? If you're in a city on a sidewalk, yeah. And it's not about turkeys; it's about people. Then listen. I mean, wild human is worse than wild turkey. <laughs> the guy is nuts. Wild I, I was just going to say, hey, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> I know it's Sunday morning, but he's got the wild turkey. Oh, my God. So according to Pink News, he constantly voted in favor of bills that would hurt the LGBTQ community. Newsweek further noted, reporting an AP article that Shorty, quote, routinely voted with his Republican colleagues on bills targeting gay and transgender people, mm. including a measure passed earlier this year that would allow business owners to discriminate against gay people. And so, like, this is his, like, we have a picture of yeah 
I mean, that's a given. What type of guy this is. And then outside of the bills, he was, of course, an advocate for gun rights. And according to ABC News, after a man was sentenced to life in prison, so there was this guy, um, Shorty said that he was going to spend the rest of his career, quote, writing that wrong. Um, Meanwhile, the guy that he's talking about, there was a man who was like, I think it was a retired cop or something, and he shot a burglar. So there were like these two burglars and... Um, he shot one of them and then he went running to shoot the other one, take the other one down. But then he came back and the burglar who was already shot and down, Mm -mm. he proceeded to shoot the guy five more times. Holy shit. And he said it was because he thought he saw him moving and therefore he considered that a threat. The guy wasn't, and he, and he's also said, well, he wasn't dead yet. And so now he is, now he is. And so that guy Went to jail for murder. Yes. Right? Because, like, you're not defending yourself anymore. Yes. Like, you took him down. You left. You returned. Um, but Shorty and, like, other people were like, this guy is a hero. This is an injustice and all of this. Like, so if he had even, even if he had run after the guy that ran away, if he had run after him and shot him dead, he, that's murder, too. Right. Because that guy's leaving. You're, leaving you're no longer scene. in, in yes. danger. Ooh. Yeah. So that's, like, the kind of guy, again, that we have here. He's also fiercely anti-immigrant. And so Oklahoma has Tina, a growing. I know. I know. I, I don't even have to. Yeah. I know. Well, but just <laughs> yeah, so let's you, get to it. Yeah. <laughs> so he has a, it has a growing and thriving Latino population, which I wasn't aware of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Shorty and other legislature legislators tried to shut that down. And in fact, in a 2011 CNN uh, article, they reported on the culture clash clash that was happening in Oklahoma at the time and noted that Shorty had this to say uh, about Latino residents, quote, Latino residents, quote, are not assimilating and enriching the culture of Oklahoma. They are invading the culture. Oklahoma is not the melting pot. Latinos are not doing their culture any favors when it's shoved into Oklahomans faces. Holy. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, but it's it's also a fear. You know, these guys are incredibly fearful because what is going to happen, it reminds me of Edward Burke from Chicago right. that I did, where his, his, the district that he was the alderman for was becoming more and more uh, Latino, and he had to like change some of the boundaries. But right. the fact of the matter is, if you're not on the side of like immigration, it, it's going to be the majority uh, population here is going to be Latinos. And so what are you doing? Right. And this is this, this was is his the kind response. of thing that's going to happen. This was his response, and and it, this is how it's we're awful. going to get these people out of office. To Ugh. be honest with you, is getting, um, being on the right side of immigration. Yes, I mean, how, it, I mean, just, I hate to say it, it's a it's, it's a political tool, but it's a and it's also the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Like who? Yeah. I mean, imagine you're not you know but you're again, not doing your culture any favors. He's, it's again, it's a dog whistle. It's a yeah, Donald oh. Trump. Like look, Donald Trump in his fucking speech running for comes down that stupid gold. Oh escalator, my god! And the first thing he says is Mexico, Mexico sending rapists and drug dealers. Oh like, please, that's a dog whistle from well, the get. What's the the recent one with the the suburban? Oh, I forget the phrase that he used. Like protecting suburban neighborhoods from low income housing. Mm. Your 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 suburban dream. When are we going to so, cover Donald oh, Trump on here? Please. When he loses. Okay. Oh, God, Tina. I'm, I'm knocking, so afraid. I'm knocking, hold on. I'm again. So I'm knocking wood. I know. I'm so afraid. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. The major incident. What did he do? So according to Oklahoma News 4, in March 2017, 
Shorty was found in a hotel room with a 17-year-old boy. <gasps> oh, oh, ah. Marijuana, <laughs> oh, yeah. lotion, and oh. condoms were also present in the room. And allegedly, the father of the boy was worried. And though the age of consent in Oklahoma is 16, Fuck. you cannot solicit a minor for sex. So that's the illegal part, right? So you can't engage in uh, with a sex worker who is a minor. Right. Is he a sex worker? No. I was going to say, even if you're And he's right, soliciting cause... him online. Holy so, shit. Shorty went on Craigslist using the pseudonym Jamie Tilly, and he engaged in a conversation with this 17-year-old, and he posted a listing asking for legal, he did put legal, young boys that were white or mixed, and how oh, he wants to be a daddy to them. Oh my God, Tina, <laughs> my stomach just like fucking flipped. So the kid basically was like, hey, I need some money for spring break. And Shorty was like, hey, would you be interested in quote sexual stuff? And then they make the plan. Like, I'll pick you up. I'll give you the money, oh, et cetera, et cetera. Kid. So in one of the text exchanges, he said he would have sex with him, quote, like a good little boy if you keep calling me daddy. It's disgusting. I, this is a kid. Uh, they also found child porn. So after they arrested oh him. Oh my God. You know, they're looking through his phone, electronics and whatnot. And they found child porn. They um, So t- in two instances, he sent a video with, this is according to KOCO News 5, a prepubescent girl and videos of young boys. And he also allegedly asked for an inappropriate photo from a minor. So What the fuck? Right. And this is the guy, the family values guy, high school sweetheart, the daughter's. You know, um, and all of that. So wow. The dark. charges. So dark. Yes. The charges. One count solici- soliciting a minor for prostitution. One count prostitution within 1,000 feet of a church. One count transporting someone for prostitution. Two counts child pornography charges. One count production of child pornography. So the aftermath. He resigns his position because, I mean, they catch him like red-handed. They have the body cams on. And so I do have... Links to that where you can see his arrest. I have um, footage from his interrogation with the police. So all of that is. But wait, how? So did so the boy's father contacted the police and said something's not right. Yeah, I think about about this guy. Did he know about Shorty or? I don't know if they knew it was Shorty. Okay, Uh, but he called the police and said something. My son, something's up. And then they go to do this check, and then it happens to be Shorty. Is wow. Yes. Wait, and I'm sorry. And one of the charges was like was pr- production of of. Did he make a video of of a of a kid? That's well, no. When he asked for like that photo from the minor. Okay, got it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, because then that's asking someone yes. to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. So he resigns, and in November 2017, Shorty put in a plea. So he doesn't go to court. He's like, I'm going to plead this out, and it, as part of that plea, the three child porn charges are dropped. So, um, he then is just, it's for the solicitation, the, the being within a church or a school, the thousand feet, and then the transportation, but the other counts are dropped as part of the plea. That's bullshit. I know. By the way. So in September of 2018, he was sentenced to 15 years in federal prison Not enough. and 10 years supervised probation after his release. According to courthouse news service, he wept during his sentencing, Ugh. noting that he quote, destroyed his family and, and those children, but right. Okay. And in 2019, he was ordered to pay $125,850 in damages to the victim, to that boy. 
So some points of interest. So I normally don't do like the early life of a person, but there are a couple of things that I found interesting. So he was born part of the Rosebud Sioux tribe and lived on the reservation. What? Yeah. And according to an Oklahoma News 4 report, a sentencing expert that was present during Shorty's sentences sentencing noted quote the general public but not for this case would never have known that mr shorty grew up in poverty on a native american reservation in south dakota they would never know that he was subjected to horrific abuse by a series of stepfathers and boyfriends of his mother they would have never known that he was shot by his brother when he was three years old and all of those factors the poverty the tragedy went into the behaviors that led us here today none of this excuses shorty's behavior for me like i'm like that is a tragic backstory Mm -hmm. And these are things that shape a person into what they become, but he's still an adult making choices. Yeah. And he is not making the right choices. He's like, he has access to get help for those things. Yes. You know, I mean, and he didn't have to marry his high school sweetheart. You know, he could have, you know, but he had found religion and all this other stuff. And so great. But you're also then standing up and lying every day and living a lie every day, but demonizing others. While you're uh, that's this, the thing that drives know? me nuts. Like you're going to be there like railing against the LGBTQ community, um, you know, writing crazy bills about aborted fetuses. Like what, what are you doing? It's so over the top. Usually yes. when it's over the top like this, when it's crazy, there's something, there's something happening. Else. Yes. Yeah, it's a huge distraction. The thing that I thought was disturbing as well is according to International Business Times, Shorty's community involvement include helping young boys at the YMCA and boys state, which was an organization that like if high school kids are interested in politics, they can do that. And it just, it seems like he's like surrounding himself with young people. Yeah. It's girls or boys with this guy. So in 2016, Shorty was listed as the political communications consultant for a Dan Kirby. And Dan Kirby was a house rep who was then accused of sexual harassment. And this is like right prior to Shorty's like getting busted. Like, and he's like, the communication space for this oh guy, my God. <laughs> which I thought was funny. Yes. And then Kirby ends up having to resign the following year because the Oklahoma house paid off the accuser settlement settlement and the attorney's fees. And people are like, wait, what, what are you talking about? Like, you got to get out of office. Why are we paying? Because you yes. are, are involved in sexual misconduct. Give me a break. So um, the other thing I liked is that a Michael Brooks Jimenez who is a who is a Latino, a fierce advocate for immigration and the undocumented is the guy that replaced him. Nice. So I was like, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. A couple other things. So we've talked about this before on here, like the pension and the money. Mm. So he still had access to his pension. And the way the pension works is you can get $9,000 a year for 25 years, like after you, you know, retire or whatever uh-huh. it is. And... They had something in place if he was charged with a felony, like bribery or some kind of crime like that, but not this particular crime oh, with a minor. Come on. So the state could pay him up to $230,000. Oh my God. Um, and the state after that was moving forward on changing those laws to make sure it encompasses yes. like other crime. So I was like, dang it. The other thing that was interesting, and I have a photo of this that we'll put, when he was arrested, he had this shirt on that had Ephesians, which is a, a, a in the Bible, Ephesians 5.22 at the top, right? Oh, my God. And then it had a sandwich in the middle, and under the sandwich it said, 
Now go make me a sandwich. And Ephesians is the, the, the verse that is, um, the wife shall submit to the husband. And I guess it's a common joke of like, yeah, go make me a sandwich. Right. So he's wearing this shirt when the cops bust him with the boy. So like, you know, he's like, this, it's like this toxic masculinity. Yeah. He's there with this shirt on, like the wife has to submit to me. And meanwhile, you're in this hotel. Like, it's just, I just thought like, wow. are you kidding me? You're, a, so you're wearing a, this, this shirt with the Bible on it. I don't know. What a bizarre human being. Very what bizarre. What is going on in that fucked up head? And then the last thing I found interesting was Wait, that- Can I just say something yes. about this shirt? It's like he thinks this it's is funny. what he's supposed to be. But he, yeah. it's like he's playing a part. Yes. It's an act. Yes. You know, he's really tormented. I, I don't think people want to be attracted to children. I don't think people want to abuse children. There's something no. fucked up in of his course. head. That's, that's why he's like that. Yes. But- how they behave outside of that, the show, this act that they yes. put on, it's so fucking weird. But that even like I have to be this this gross, yes. you know, you know, straight to the top, that mass that toxic masculine, like over the top. Yeah, women's have to that submit shirt to their man. It's disgusting. But there's people who are religious and love their wives right. and, and live walk whatever line that is that don't act like that. But his right. is, his has to go up to the next level to compensate for the fact that he is bizarre and he just he's playing this weird part like what a what a fucking tortured life this person has yeah it's it's terrible it's terrible the other thing that i thought was equally terrible was that there were two people who were aware of the child porn what and according to the associated press they did not come forward until after shorty was caught with the boy who the fuck so according to News on 6, a campaign aide found the porn. Oh, my God. And then reported it okay. to someone up at oh. the Capitol. And that person didn't do anything with the information until after the charges. So I don't know. They didn't um, really release the names of bullshit. those people. But I'm like, this is. Who knows who could at have least been like abused. The, the campaign aide was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to someone and thinking maybe that person's doing something. But that next person who got that info didn't do anything. And this is sitting senator. Wow. Come on. I, I'm. It's fucking, it's insanity. That's so that, I, I was like, this is wrong because now that boy maybe not would have haven't been yes, in that room. That's right. Because they can't move forward because they're afraid of like whatever the fallback is. Like, right. give me a break. Mm -mm. So they're culpable. Anyway, oh, that's God. the story of Senator turned sex offender, Ralph Shorty. Motherfucker. I know. I'm sorry. I'll do, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll change it up next time because it's two in a row. <laughs> With these guys. And Dang I really, it. I did not think, I, I was, I was reading something I read about the fetuses and I'm like, well, who is this idiot? Yes. And then I look him up and it's like, he had to resign. And I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this guy. Cause it just took me, I just went down the little rabbit hole with him with yeah. all his crazy bills and like, just, you know, uh, and he's, he's so, he was a smug guy, this big guy. I don't know. And I was like, I got to do it. So I did. I'll, I think the lesson we're learning here is that wild turkeys have spot on sense. Yes. They know who to go after. <laughs> they know who to attack. Yeah. Too you know, bad he clubbed it to death. Yeah. But like, you know how people say like, yeah. if my dog doesn't like you, you're yes. a bad person. Like that turkey was like, this guy does yeah. not smell right. Let's yes. Get, let's get him. Let's attack him. I wish it was one of those things where, you know how like they, they, they all like gobble at the same time. I would have <laughs> loved to see like a whole mass. What did they call... Is it a like a group of turkeys? Is it a, a gaggle? gaggle? Is it a yeah, gaggle of turkeys? I would love to see a gaggle of turkeys like just chase him down. Yeah, that should be part of his punishment. Yes, just have a gaggle of turkeys attack him, <sighs> pack him. 
Ta da. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Peck is pecker. No. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. So that's it. Oh, so good and so wrong and so awful. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just incredible to me. I know. Oh. So, uh, let's see. August 18th is coming up. This is coming out August 12th. August 18th is the primary for Florida. Yes. And, um, we, you know, on our, where are, where are, podcast is hosted the website we can see where people are listening and we've got listeners all yes. over the world believe it or not they listen to ireland this, this nonsense england yes india yes canada yes. australia Honey. new zealand it's so exciting it's happening but france in the united states you can go to the united states and it breaks up where yes. in the states people are listening and it used to be a majority of florida and i don't know if you've noticed but it's starting to go less and less in florida yes. and more in other states or like it's splitting up yes. into other states um so to our florida people yes <laughs> listen, <laughs> that was a brag so i could get to this but like um it's okay to brag about ourselves, isn't it? Yes. yes. Come on. We're working hard. Yeah. So please, if you haven't done your vote by mail, um, please remember to go vote in the primary. I think polls open are doing early voting, but you can also go on the day of the primary. It's really, really important that people show up and show out. And and I don't care who you vote for. Yes. I honestly don't care your what side of the aisle you're on. Matters. Just, fucking, just go vote. And uh, my God, let's, let's make this thing happen. Yes. All right. Well... I will see you next week. Yes, on the other side of the storm. The that didn't happen. Side, There's the not other... one palm frond blowing in the wind right Fucking now. Ridiculous. <laughs> my great. mother called me. Oh, and they also stopped testing in Florida. Oh, my God. Like Thursday. It's We're ridiculous. We're not going to test this weekend. Meanwhile, it's barely play, yeah, a breeze. Play it by ear, people. Fucking, no, but it's, like, it's like they don't know Florida. I know. And I'm not against like being prepared for the storm, but I'm against no. like mass hysteria. Of course. Give me a break. Mass hysteria. Dogs and cats living together. <laughs> oh my God. I love it so much. Don't quote Ghostbusters sorry, on this. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I will see you next week. Yes. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty. Coming up next week on The Muck Podcast. Let me be clear, Abraham. This yes. isn't a voice I'm hearing from behind the Yeah, this is someone I am, I'm drinking beers with, yeah. and he's, he's talking about this all the time. Well, see, this is the problem with crying wolf, yes. Tina. <laughs> understand? That's the problem. The Hammonds claim they started the fire to stop invasive plants from growing onto their grazing fields. Oh, please. Uh, right. The get, some, get some weed kill. The <laughs> <laughs> Roundup. Uh. <laughs>